Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. But for tonight, we're going to talk about, I'm going to call this the help we need, okay? The help we need. And I'm going to try to keep this brief and allow time at the tables to, for you guys to discuss. But I like using children because children are a big part of my life. So... <laughs> And we, we love children here at Crossroads, okay? We're always going to love children, so I want to integrate the children into this lesson a little bit. Because children provide us both challenges and blessings, correct? And I'm going to give you one specific challenge and blessing that we get from kids, okay? Children need help doing things that are new, correct? Let me give you an example. Eating. All right, my children... Probably like many children, do not like new foods, especially foods that look like it might be good for them. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but kids have a radar going, that looks healthy, I don't want to try it. Now, if I handed them a new piece of candy, they'd be all over it. But if I give them a new piece of food, whatever it is, no matter how it looks, they're a little suspect about that food, okay? And so they need help. They need help understanding that A, this food is going to help them, and B, they might like the food. Let me give you an example. For the biggest part of my life, I hated a food called meatloaf. I remember growing up despising meatloaf. And I remember my mom telling me, just try it, try it, eat the meatloaf, you'll like the meatloaf. And I hated meatloaf. And then I remember one day the light bulb went on, and I tried meatloaf again. And it's like my taste buds came alive. And from that moment on, meatloaf's one of my favorite foods. And so we had meatloaf in our family regularly. But I remember the first time we introduced meatloaf to our children. That did not go well because they have my DNA, of course. So I remember introducing meatloaf to our kids, and they looked at it on their plate like, yeah, we're not going near that. <laughs> and so I remember rehearsing the same things with them that my mom did with me, trying to tell them how good it was for them, how much they might like it if they tried it. I remember going through these, through these systems with my kids, realizing that they needed help. They needed help to understand that something could be, A, good for them, and be something they might enjoy. Well, sometimes we have to do that with kids, and there's not just foods, but sometimes taking baths and showers. Sometimes, I remember my kids for the first time, they were, we had to introduce bicycles to them and scooters and things like that. They were a little terrified of those things. And I remember saying to them, going, you need to play outside. It's good to be outside. You need to learn how to ride a bike and, and play with your friends outside and, and guiding them through that process. And I remember them being terrified to get on a bike but realizing it was going to be good for them, and once they learned the bike, they would really enjoy the bike. And that's a challenge that kids present for parents and adults. But it's also a blessing because children show us sometimes what we are like, don't they? Sometimes grown-ups need the same help doing things that are good for them. Now, I've been in ministry long enough that there's one word that every time I bring it up, I can tell there's a little bit of a recoiling in the audience when I bring it up, and then the word is obedience, okay? When I bring up the word obedience as a minister, I could tell there's an uneasiness in the room. May I be excused? Yeah. No. This is good for you. I promise. And I remember having the same uneasy feeling. I remember, thank you. Finally, this thing could start. I got my Canadian, clearly Canadian, which I'm not. Clearly not Canadian. But um, I, remember, I remember having the same feelings toward obedience growing up. Every time someone would start talking about commandments or obedience, I remember feeling uncomfortable, like that's something I didn't want to do. 
And then God would start impressing it upon, upon me from his word. And I remember recoiling at that, going, God, here's all the reasons I can't or I shouldn't or I don't have to. And I think it's the same process for us today is when, every, when someone brings up their t- concept of obedience and commandments, we start thinking of all the reasons we can't or we don't have to or we start justifying it theologically going, you know, we're not saved by works, so therefore obedience is not a big deal for Christians. Well, let me give you an illustration, okay? You guys, most of you at least have some experience with hiking. Well, let's say that I was an avid hiker, and I'm not. You guys are probably, it's actually the reverse. You guys have probably avid hikers, and I'm the baby here. But, but I want you to imagine that I was an avid hiker, and I was going to encourage you to go hiking one day. And you felt very uneasy about that because it's intimidating, and it's long, and it's hard, and it's uphill. And you start telling me all these reasons why you couldn't go hiking and you didn't want to go hiking. And then I was in the position to help you get to a place where you, A, wanted to go hiking and thought that you should go hiking. So I start telling you all the benefits of hiking. I start telling you all the great views you're going to see. I start telling you all the experiences I've had along the way of hiking. My job at that point is to get you in a good position to where you now change your perspective about hiking and now want to go hiking. Well, there's this concept in in the scriptures called sanctification, and it's something we've talked about before. But sanctification is God impressing upon us the need to become like Jesus. It's not how we get saved. Okay, we are not saved by obedience. We are not saved by any works. We are saved simply by God's grace through faith in Jesus. But sanctification is a part of the process. And this past Sunday, we brought up the new covenant. And the terms of the new covenant happen to be obedience to the commandments. So in this illustration, I think I see this illustration all throughout Scripture, is God telling us through his word, impressing upon us the need to ascend spiritually, to go further and higher and greater in knowledge and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see that in Scripture, this concept of ascending, of taking where we are now and not staying where we are, but going up. And obedience is a big part of that process. Obedience is a big part of the process of becoming like Jesus Christ. But that's the hard part of Christianity. You take that part out of Christianity, this thing is smooth sailing. We accept Jesus, we have our sins forgiven, and then we're off our way to heaven. But you insert in sanctification and obedience, and suddenly this thing gets a little difficult. And that's the ascension part of this that we don't really like. So God is now in the position that parents are with their children to have to help us understand that A, this ascension is good for you, And B, it actually brings you joy. And I remember having to go through that process myself where I was giving God a thousand reasons for why I couldn't ascend. God, I I can't. I have too many sins. I have too many insecurities. I have too many, you know, baggage in my past. I can't go up. I can't become like your son, nor did I want to. And I remember God impressing upon it through his word, through ministers, through friends, through family, saying, Todd, this is good for you. And Todd, once you experience this, the joy you'll receive will be so high and so great, you won't want to go back to what you had before, to which I thought was ludicrous. I thought I had a great system of living for my flesh and then asking God for forgiveness whenever I didn't do what he wanted me to do, and then he just stamps me with eternal life. I thought I had a great system. And that's when God impressed upon me this need to ascend. And I want to read a passage for you where if you pay attention to the words, this is God helping us understand the process, and the need to ascend spiritually. It comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to 
Peter speak about this concept of becoming something we're not. He says in verse 3, His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Whose nature? God's nature. God is saying, I have given you everything you need for life and for godliness so that you can become partakers of my nature. That's interesting. He says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. You all have faith if you believe in Jesus. But supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And listen to verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, there's the ascension, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, which none of us want, right? None of us want to be able to say, say and claim that we're unfruitful in this Christian walk, that we're wasting what God has given us, that we're saved, but we're doing nothing with it. We're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're new, but we're doing nothing for God. None of us want to think that's happening. We all want fruit, but do we want the process of bearing that fruit? That's the question. He goes on in verse 8, he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Not tragically. If you are ascending up this mountain, the irony is that you're safe. If you're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, he says, you will never fall. Where's the danger? At the bottom. It's interesting. It's kind of the opposite of what you expect. You expect all the safety to be at the bottom. And Peter says, no, the safety is becoming like Jesus. It's taking the steps up that mountain. And then he says this, for in this way, you will be richly provided an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see the glory? If any, of you, if any of you have done a beautiful hike, you get to the top, and I've done this once, but I ascended a pretty long hike, walking, walking for miles, going, why am I doing this? This hurts, I'm sweaty, let's turn back. And then I got to the mountain and I looked over the overview. And the first thought I had was, that was worth it. That was worth it. And that's the part of the Christian life God knows we need help with. We don't want to ascend because that's the painful part. That's the difficult part. That's the costly part. But he knows not only will it be good for us, it will be safe for us. But once we see the view, we will thank God and praise God for the rest of eternity. Thanks for listening to the Devotional Toddcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. Learn more about us at CrossroadsOfLittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.